believe there is a word that has already gone forth and continuing to go forth tonight. And I receive it in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. One more time. Can we give the Lord a hand clap and just lift him up and exalt him? Praise God. I'm going to go into the word of the Lord tonight. And we will we will see what God wants to do. But I, I believe we have a word here tonight for us. Everything that's been said from the word shot, from the passage that Brother Nichols read to what he said, I think everything is falling in place as it should. We are going to go to the book of 2 Kings, chapter 6. The book of 2 Kings, chapter 6. Read a couple verses beginning at verse 13. While you're turning there, I want to quickly set the stage. Here we find King of Syria. The country of Syria has declared war, is at war with Israel and the king of Israel. And the king of Syria is trying to capture, trying to take, find the king of Israel. But the man of God is in tune with God. And every time they come for the king of Israel, God is one step ahead. And I just come to tell you, God is always one step ahead of the enemy. Because he knows the end from the beginning. The devil does not, but God, God knows. Right, amen. And so God tells the men of God, and the men of God tells the king of Israel where to go, where not to go. So he is not taken. So we find in our, our text here, verse 13, the king of Syria says, Go and spy where he is, that I may send and fetch him, the prophet. And it was told him, saying, Behold, he is in Dothan. And therefore sent he, the king of Syria, he sent thither horses and chariots and a great host. And they came by night. Sneaky little devil. He was complaining about me preaching his workshop. He was preaching the message in his workshop tonight. The devil tries to be sneaky. But we are not ignorant of his devices. That's right. Amen. Let me, if I can't sneak up on the king, uh, let me sneak up on the prophet that's telling the king when I'm coming. Can you just think about how stupid that is? can't get to the king because the prophet always tells him I'm coming so let me go get the prophet that's telling the king as if the prophet come past the city about when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth behold a host come past the city both with horses and with chariots 
And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? We're surrounded. And he answered, Fear not. We just gloss over that. Fear not. The man of God tonight is saying, Fear not. Fear not. For they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened his eyes of the young man and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire. Round about Elisha. When they came down to him, Elisha prayed unto the Lord and said, Smite this people, I pray thee, with blindness. And he smote them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. And Elisha said unto them, This is not the way, neither is this the city. You got a whole army of blind people. And Elisha goes down and says, Hey, y'all in the wrong place. Let me take you where you need to go. Devil, you barking up the wrong tree. And he said, this is not the way, neither is this the city. Follow me and I will bring you to the man whom you see. And he led them to Samaria. And it came to pass when they were come to Samaria that Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men that they may see. And the Lord opened their eyes and they saw. And behold, they were in the midst of Samaria. Now they're surrounded. Now the tables are turned. And I won't finish the whole story, but he didn't lie to them. He took them to the man they were going to see because he was there. And when God opened their eyes, you have an entire army that sees, and yet now they are surrounded. They end up letting them go. And the king of Syria, he he didn't mess with Israel anymore. Because God made it very clear, he's still God. Right. Praise God. I want to preach for a few minutes tonight on this simple thought, chariots of fire. Chariots of fire. Amen. One more time, would you just magnify the Lord with me? Let us exalt his name together in this house. Lord, we love you. We worship you and praise your holy name. God, I pray, God, that this word right now would go forth, would multiply, would be blessed by you. God, your word's already anointed. It's already forever settled. God, I pray you would speak to us. Give us ears and hearts to gladly receive. God, I pray this word, God, would go forth. Let it be fruitful in the lives and the hearts and the minds of your people. I pray in the name of Jesus. Let somebody shout in the name of Jesus. Amen, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. In the Bible, throughout the Bible, 103 times you can find chariots mentioned, but mostly in the Old Testament. You find stories of chariots and horsemen. In the biblical times, chariots and horsemen were a sign of military strength and military might. Countries now are, are, are listed how strong they are, described how strong they are by, by the kind of technology that they have, by the type of tanks and the type of air power and the type 
and, and the training of their soldiers and the amount of soldiers and the, the type of weapons that, that they have and the, 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 the uh, potential that they have in their, in their might. But in biblical times, uh, countries were, were strong because of the chariots and the horsemen and the armies that they possessed. And then we find in the Old Testament the story of Moses in the Red Sea, as was already mentioned tonight, and how God smote Egypt with ten plagues because He was trying to deliver His people out of Egypt and get them closer to the promised land. And we find in, in Exodus it talks about, and that's what Exodus means, it's Exodus, it's the leaving. They were exiting uh, bondage. They were exiting Egypt into the promised land. And as they, they are leaving, the Bible says, they were taking things with them. They had borrowed things from the Egyptians. They're like, because y'all are not going to need this anymore. <laughs> and they, they, they left. And they, they are leaving Egypt after the tenth plague, the plague of death. And lo and behold, wouldn't you know that Pharaoh begins to follow after the people of God. As a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, he began to follow the people of God. The Bible tells us and describes in Exodus 14 and how Pharaoh chose 600 chosen chariots. They were special chariots. They were specially made for the task. And then he also had all of the chariots of Egypt along with an army of horsemen. And the Bible tells us how Pharaoh and his army began to pursue the people of God. I'm sure he didn't have good intentions in mind when he was pursuing the people of God with his army. I don't believe he was just going to bring them back to be slaves again. I think he was coming to wipe them out. I believe he was angry because he had lost his own eldest son. Amen. He was made to look the fool. And so he and his, takes his chosen chariots and his horsemen and he began to follow after the people of God. And yet the Bible says that an angel, a man that... Uh, took or moved behind the people of God and created this, this pillar of a cloud of, of darkness and separated Pharaoh so that Pharaoh could not get to the people of God. And Moses, and you know, he stretched forth uh, his rod and, and the water parts. And the people of God began to walk across dry ground. And in Exodus 14, verse 17 God speaking to Moses, he said, I, behold, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians. They shall follow them, and I will get me honor upon Pharaoh and upon all his hosts and upon his chariots and upon his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know, they shall know that I am the Lord. When I have gotten me honor upon Pharaoh, upon his chariots and upon his horsemen. God speaking to Moses and he says, Egypt looks like they are the most powerful empire of the day. But they were only the second most powerful army because God's army is always the most powerful. I said the people of God are always the most powerful. Amen. Our weapons are not carnal. But they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. I don't need Pharaoh's army. I need to be in the army of God. Amen. So here we find Moses and the people of God beginning to cross dry ground. And the pillar lifts. And, and we know that, that Pharaoh's army begins to follow them across the, the, dead, the, or the Red Sea. And 
And the people of God are looking back as they cross over to the other side and they look and they see here comes uh, Pharaoh with his chariots and his horsemen. And many of them began to fear, believing and thinking that they're going to cross over also to come and defeat them. But verse 23 tells us, And the Egyptians pursued and went in after them to the midst of the sea. Even all of Pharaoh's horses and his chariots and his horsemen. Verse 24, And it came to pass that in the morning, watch, the Lord looked unto the host of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and of the cloud and troubled the host of the Egyptians. And I like this right here. Verse 25, it says, And talking about what God did. God took off their chariot wheels And they drave them heavily, so that the Egyptians said, Let us flee from the face of Israel. For the Lord fighteth for them against the Egyptians. And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch out thine hand over the sea, and the waters may come again upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots, and upon their horsemen. And Moses stretched forth his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to its strength. When the morning appeared and the Egyptians fled against it, and the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. And the waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen and all the host of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them. There remained not so much as one of them. But the children of Israel walked upon dry land in the midst of the sea. I don't know if you ever caught that before, but right there in the midst of the sea, God created, God destroyed the enemy. While they're still in the midst of the sea, Pharaoh was destroyed. They hadn't even got all the way to the other side. You hadn't even got to the problem. But I'm telling you, right smack dab in the middle of the trial, God's going to destroy the enemy. I don't claim to be a prophet. I don't even claim to have a prophetic word. But I was praying in my closet this afternoon, uh, right before church. I was getting ready, and I just began to pray. And, and I felt just a spirit. I don't know what if it's. I've never really felt like a prophetic spirit. But I, if I've ever, if, if if I've ever felt it, I believe this is what it is. But in verse twenty-five, it says God took off the chariot wheels, and I feel like God is trying to tell somebody God is fixing to take the wheels off the bus of the enemy. The wheels are about to fall off. Can I encourage somebody? The wheels are about to come off. Devil, the wheels on your attacks are getting ready to fall off. You're going to be stranded right in the middle of a sea. Praise God. Why? Because greater is he that's in us. Greater is he that's with us. Greater Greater is he that's leading us than he that's in the world. Devil, the wheels on your bus are fixing to fall off. We sing that song to kids. The wheels on the bus go round and round. Devil, your wheels have been going around and around and around, but they're fixing to fall off. I rebuke the enemy tonight in Jesus' name. Say, well, that's easy to do it in preaching. Well, you can do it. You don't have to be preaching to rebuke the enemy. You can say, I'll come to you in the name of the Lord, in Jesus' name. Oh, praise God. Somebody shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
us. Why, why can we say that? Because we trust in the Lord. We don't trust in the chariots of men. We trust in Him, not in the powers of this world. Praise God. In God I trust, not fascist Fauci. In God I trust, not in the powers of men or government. God sets them up, He can take them down. The most powerful empires that the world has ever seen. They've come and they've gone. But our God's still the same yesterday. We don't even need the chariots and the horsemen of this world. We've got God. That's all we need. Can I encourage you? You don't have to have all the money in the bank. You just need God. You don't have to have all the answers. You just need God. You don't have to understand everything. You just need God. Well, come on. God, we, we need this and we need that. God gives us understanding. And I'm thankful for understanding. With all thy getting, we have to seek understanding. I understand. I'm not talking about biblical godly understanding. But I'm talking about I don't have to understand everything that's going on in this world. I just need to ha- have a relationship and un- have an understanding with Him. I don't have the cattle on a thousand hills. I know He does. I don't have to have every answer. I know He is the answer. My trust is in the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all thy heart. Lean not to thine own understanding. But in all thy ways acknowledge Him. And He shall direct thy paths. You may be walking through the valley. I want to tell you the very valley. Maybe you feel like you're walking. You're surrounded by water. Walls of water on both sides. And the enemy's hot on your tails. I'm going to tell you. God can take the very water. While you're still walking through. He's going to destroy them. The wheels on the chariots of the enemy are coming off. Some, the psalmist said in Psalms 20 and 7, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. I just call on the name in, in my midnight hour, in my darkest hour, in your darkest moment. I want to remember the name of the Lord. David looked at Goliath and said, you come against me with sword and spear, but I come against you in the name of the Lord. All you got to do is have the name of Jesus. 2 Kings 18, 24, How then wilt thou turn away the face of one captain of the least of my master's servants and put thy trust on Egypt for chariots and for horsemen? He's asking a question. Why would you trust in the chariots and the horsemen of Egypt when you have a God that is greater? Church, our God is greater. I said our God is greater. The most powerful army in the world is no match for God. Isaiah 31, the prophet said, Woe to them that go down to Egypt for help. Woe to them. Feel sorry for those that go to the world for help. And he says, And stay on horses and trust in chariots. Because there are many. And in horsemen, because they are very strong. But they look not unto the Holy One of Israel, neither seek the Lord. Praise God. I know my mom's not feeling well. And she was talking about going uh, to urgent care. Or the, to, to, to check. And I said, that's a great idea, Mom. But right after we pray first. I just said, in the name of Jesus. 
God, we call on your name. I'm not against doctors. We go to doctors. I'm not against pre- I'm not against medicine. Amen. But what I am, I'll turn to a Tylenol, an extra strength, maybe even two extra strength Tylenol. Praise God. But I'm going to call on the name of Jesus first, and I want to give God a, a window of opportunity to do a work first. Hello. Praise God. Hope this is making sense. It says, woe to them that don't seek the Lord. Woe to them that, that look not unto the Holy One of Israel. When things are getting rough, look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. Amen. Isaiah said in five chapters later, in chapter 36, verse 9, How then wilt thou turn away the face of one captain of the least of my master's servants and put thy trust on Egypt for chariots and for horsemen? He said, don't trust in the, the powers of this world. Trust in God. The chariots of God in Psalm 68, 17, the chariots of God are 20,000, even thousands of angels. The Lord is among them, as in Sinai, in the holy place. Men, some men trust in the chariots and the powers of this world, but we trust in an army that's out of this world. That God's got His spiritual chariots and angels and angelic hosts, and He's right smack dab in the middle of an army that cannot and will never be defeated. And I'm glad I'm a soldier in the king's army. I'm glad I'm a part of the king's army. Isaiah 54, verse 14, and I'm, I'll hurry through these. I got a few verses. I, I am going. I'm still, I'm still going someplace. Isaiah 54, 14. In righteousness shalt thou be established. Thou shalt be far from oppression, for thou shalt not fear, and from terror, for it shall not come near thee. Behold. They shall surely gather together, but not by me. Whosoever shall gather together against thee shall fall for thy sake. I want to tell somebody tonight, I feel like I'm preaching to myself right now, but our enemies, my enemies are going to fall because greater is he that's in me and with me. I'm not going to fear what man shall do or can do because God. I don't even have to finish it because God. Verse 16, behold, I have created. You said it in your word shot. He went right to verse 17. No weapon. Form. Shall. But before we get to 17, I was starting to read there in verse 14. You got to get this. Matter of fact, can I read that again? Let me start at verse 14. In righteousness shalt thou be established. Thou shalt be far from oppression. For thou shalt not fear and from terror. For it shall not come near thee. Verse 15. Behold, they shall surely gather together, but not by me. Whosoever shall gather together against thee shall fall for thy sake. God is going to do it because He loves you. God's going to deliver you because He wants to deliver you. God wants to save you because you're worth saving. He's not going to do it just to show who He is. He's going to do it to reveal who you are in Him. 
Oh, you're not hearing me. God wants to do something great for his people. Why? To show who you are in him. He said, for thy sake. Can I, can I keep reading 16? Behold, I have created the smith. That bloweth the coals in the fire. Getting hot. And that bringeth forth an instrument for his work. And I have created the waster to destroy. God said, I've got a smith that knows how to make a weapon. Where no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Why? Because God is already equipped. Before we get to verse 17, you got to go back to verse 16. Before, no weapon formed against me. So why? Because God already has a spiritual worksmith. He's already equipped us. We can put on the whole armor of God, which includes the shield of faith, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, have our feet shot with the preparation of the gospel, and we have in our hand the sword of the Spirit. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Oh, somebody shout amen. God has made a weapon from the very coals in the fire. You ready? It's that Holy Ghost and fire. And it's keeping me alive. (laughs) Keeping me alive. It's keeping me alive. It's that Holy Ghost and fire. And it's keeping me alive. Jesus. It's keeping. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Why? Because I've got something that came from the, the smith of heaven. I've got a name that's above every name. I don't have time to put all this together tonight, but I'm telling you, we have a name that is above every name. And we have a word that is forever settled. That is a sword. It is a flaming sword. It's on fire. Can I tell you, the word of God is on fire. It purges. It cleanses, it heals, it delivers. Oh, praise God. Deuteronomy 23, 14, For the Lord thy God walketh in the midst of thy camp to deliver thee and to give up thine enemies before thee. Deuteronomy 31 and 6, Be strong and of good courage, fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he it is that doth go with thee, for he will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Isaiah 41 and 10, Fear not, for I am with thee, be not dismayed. I am thy God, I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. I'm thankful I'm holding on to the hand of God. God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, and of love, and of a sound mind. Romans 8, 31, what shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Seven verses later in verse 38, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them who are the the called according to His 
purpose. Praise God. We have a promise. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. And I will not fear what man shall do unto me. I don't fear the horses. I don't fear the horsemen. I don't fear the chariots of power in this world. Because our God is still greater. First John 4 and 4. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. Praise God. Praise God. I'm glad I'm on Jesus' side. I'm glad I'm walking on Team Jesus. Isaiah 66 and 15, For behold, the Lord will come with fire. And with his chariots, like a whirlwind, to render his anger with fury and his rebuke with flames of fire. you got to understand, the enemy comes with chariots, but God comes with chariots of fire. There's a difference between a chariot and a chariot of fire. Greater is he. I said greater is he. Greater is he. Deuteronomy chapter 20. You know, in the Old Testament, let me just take a little time out here for a second. In the Old Testament, you can read a lot about the law. Jesus said, I didn't come to do away with it. He said, I came to fulfill the law. There's a lot of law in the Old Testament. There's a lot of thou shalts and thou shalt not. There were laws on how to sacrifice. There were laws on the what to sacrifice. There were laws about when to sacrifice. There were laws on how to act. God gave laws how to live, how to give, when to pray. A lot of law. Do you know that God even gave the people of God uh, the law on how to fight? God gave a law for the battle. Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse 1, When thou goest out to battle against the, thine enemies, and you see horses and chariots and a people more than thou. Uh-oh. Anybody ever feel outnumbered? Anybody feel like you're up against something you don't know how you're going to get through it? Huh. Hello? He said, Be not afraid of them. Number one law when you're going to battle, don't be afraid of the enemy. But trust in God. I think that's still a pretty good law to follow, don't you? For the Lord thy God is with thee, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And it shall be when you are come nigh unto the battle, that the priest shall approach and speak unto the people. Pastor's trying to speak unto the people tonight. Don't be afraid. Trust God. And shall say unto them, Hear, O Israel. You approach this day unto battle against your enemies. Let not your hearts faint. Fear not and do not tremble. Neither be ye terrified because of them. For the Lord your God is he that goeth with you to fight for you against your enemies. Ready? And to save you. Here's the number one law. Trust in the God. 
Fear not the enemy, because God is fighting for His people. It was Joshua and Caleb that understood that when they said, we are well able. Yeah, they're, they're giants over there. We're like grasshoppers in their sight and our own sight. We're still able. Bring them on. The bigger they are, the harder they're falling. Everything's going to be all right. You know the story, Joshua and Caleb, they end up taking, going into the promised land. They march around the walls of Jericho, and they come down flat. Woo! I think they were shouting on that seventh time around, the walls came down. I think there was probably some shouting afterwards, too. They were singing songs like, look what the Lord has done. We didn't do it. We just shouted and look what God did. All we were were obedient to the law. All we did was just do what he asked us to do. In faith, believing we'll do what we can do. God will step in and do what he can do. And look, he made the walls come down flat. And then we just went on in and we took the city just like he told us to. Hallelujah. We find them in, in Joshua chapter 11. This is several chapters after Jericho. They're... They're going through and taking the, the promised land. They're going through Canaan. They're taking Canaan. And guess what? There's still more battles to fight. I mean, it would be really cool if all you had to do was fight one battle and then life was happily ever after. Life don't work that way, does it? Sometimes it feels like I, you get through fighting one battle and... Already? Can't God's people have a vacation every once in a while? You, you ever feel that way? We, can, we don't have time to take vacations. <laughs> I think there are some people that live for God that way. I'll come to church and then I'm going to be on vacation for a month and I'll go back to church. They're going through and they're fighting, 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 fighting. Anything worth having is worth fighting for, isn't it? And find in Joshua chapter 11, verse 4, And they went out, they and their host with them, much people, even as the sand that is upon the seashore in multitude. This is the enemies coming against Joshua. With horses and chariots, very many. And when all these kings were met together, they came and pitched together the waters of Merom to fight against Israel. And the Lord said to Joshua, Be not afraid because of them. Okay, remember, law number one, don't be afraid. For tomorrow about this time will I deliver them up all slain before Israel. I mean, the people of God are outnumbered. They're outnumbered by people. They're outnumbered by chariots. They're outnumbered by horsemen and horses. God said, don't worry about it. I got it. Thou shalt hoe their horses and burn their chariots with fire. So Joshua came and all the people of war with him 
against them by the waters of Aram suddenly, and they fell upon them. And the Lord delivered them under the hand of Israel, who smote them and chased them unto great Zidon, and to a really long name place, and unto the valley of Mizpah eastward, and they smote them until they left them none remaining. And Joshua did unto them as the Lord bade him. And he hoed, he, he cut their horses, he killed them, and burnt their chariots with fire. What I'm trying to tell somebody tonight is God wants to take the very chariot, the very thing that has come against you. There's a difference between a chariot of fire and a chariot on fire. God's going to deliver you with a chariot of fire. And He's going to deliver unto you chariots with fire. In other words, He's going to burn up. Devil, you fixing to burn? Said, do you believe in global warming? Yes, I do. It's called H E L L. There's a difference between chariots of fire and chariots on fire. And Joshua said, "We don't." You, you got to understand this. Joshua looked. He, they they conquered it. The people are. They, they've conquered the people, and now they've got all these chariots out here. And he looks at him and goes, "We don't need this. We're going to burn it up." It's not of God. I'd rather trust in chariots of fire than chariots of the world. We're going to burn this up. We're not going to bring this in. And burning always separates. Let, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me show you something. You remember the story about Elijah? God tells him to go anoint Elisha. He goes over, takes his mantle, crosses it. Elijah, what, what does Elisha do? He... Kills his oxen, he takes a plow, he burns it, sacrifices it unto God. There's a burning, there's a purging. I don't need this anymore, I'm following. And he follows Elijah. And he says, I want a double portion of what you got. And Elijah, Elijah says, if you're with me, you'll get it, but you've got to stay with me. And then he tells him, you've got to stay here. And Elijah says, nope. You crossing the river, I'm crossing the river. Because I want my double portion, I want my blessing. I burned some things. I put some things behind me. Not to go back to it. I ain't got nothing to go back to anyhow. Well, why don't you stay here? I refuse to just stay put. Apostolic Rock Church, I refuse to stay put and be happy with what we've got. I want greater revival. I want greater anointing. I want a double portion. I want to blow these walls out with revival. I want... This is what we want. We want great revival. We refuse to stay put. The Bible says in 2 Kings chapter 2, this is so cool. Verse 11, and it came to pass, says Elijah and Elisha, as they went on and talked, that behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire and parted them both asunder the only thing that could keep Elisha from staying right there with Elijah was a sovereign move of God that was how close Elisha was to Elijah he said, ain't nothing coming between me and you I want my blessing I want my double portion and Elijah went up by a whirlwind unto heaven And Elisha saw it and he cried, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel 
and the horsemen thereof. Mantle fell. And Elisha comes and he picks it up. He walks back to the waters and he, says, and he smites the water and says, where, where is the Lord God of Elijah? When he had smitten the waters, the Bible says that they parted. And Elisha walked over on dry ground. But Elisha says, my father, my father. Asking, this is old English, what he was saying, the chariot of Israel, the horsemen thereof. He was speaking of the man of God. He was saying, okay, you have to understand this time. God, they didn't have the Bible like we have it now. They had scripture. They had writings. They had Moses writings. They, they had a lot. Of, but they didn't have it like we've got it all printed. We, you know, we got our King James Version or you whatever version you want. We, they didn't have versions. They did, but they had the, but most of the word of God that the people heard came through the man of God. And he says, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And I find that we read it this morning in our text this morning, but we find in, in, in 2 Kings chapter 13, we find now Elisha is on his deathbed. Had 13 miracles. We know that the, the 14th was going to take place when he was in a grave and they, they took a dead soldier and they threw him in. And when he touched the bones of Elijah, he came back to life. That was the 14th miracle. But I just kind of wonder if Joash missed his opportunity. I'll just let that sink in for a second. In 2 Kings chapter 13, Now Elisha was fallen sick of his sickness, whereof he died. And Joash, the king of Israel, came down upon him and wept over his face and said, Oh, my father, my father. Sound familiar? The chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. Now Joash was really worried because Elisha, men of God, the one they've turned to, it's not the man, but it's the word of God. That's important. The chariot of Israel, the very thing, the chariot of Israel, the chariot of fire, is still the Word of God. The power is in the Word of God. Power is in the spoken Word. Power is in the name of God. Praise God. Joash was fearful because... Elisha's going, Elisha's die, uh, going, he's dying, and then he dies, and Elisha, Joash is upset. He's, he's sad because, like, where's the word of God? We have no direction. The word of God is a chariot. It's a vehicle that God will use to take us from here to where he wants us to go. Anyone thankful for the word of God? And in closing, I want to come back to our text. This was something, a revelation that I, I received, something that I saw a couple years ago. I've mentioned it, mentioned it, but I don't think I've ever actually put it in a message like this. We find in our text, 2 Kings chapter 6, the servant of the man of God, the servant of Elisha, 
was risen early and gone forth. Behold, a host compass the city. Here comes the chariots and the horsemen from the king of Syria. They surround the city. When they come by night, they're sneaky. They think they're sneaking up on Elisha. And this servant, I believe, is a new servant because just before this, you find the story of Gehazi. Naaman dips seven times, and he's healed of leprosy. And Gehazi tries to take money for the, for the work of God. And, and Elisha the same leprosy that, the, that Naaman had is now on you. And I've heard people preach Gehazi is still around, but the man of God is not going to be with an unclean person. So Gehazi just had to be a brand new servant. This is a new guy. This is a rookie. I don't believe this is Gehazi. He gone. Because as the custom of that day, if he, was ta- if he had Naaman's leprosy, he probably was outside the city walls. He couldn't be in the city where Elisha was. Because he was unclean. So the rookie says, we are surrounded. Look, we're surrounded by chariots. We're surrounded by horses. We're surrounded by an army of horsemen. Sometimes it feels that way. It feels like the world has us surrounded by problem after problem. And I don't know quite which way to look because everywhere I look, I see problems. If you look in the news, you're going to see a problem. If you look on Instagram, you find problems. You look in the media, at the media, listen to the radio. Problem, 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 problem. And evil problems, evil trying to jam its ugly agenda down the throat of what used to be a Christian nation. Hello? Don't get quiet on me. We're going to shout in a minute. The servant looks to Elisha and says, We are surrounded. They've compassed the city both with horses and chariots. And his servant said, Alas, my master, how shall we do? Hey, we're surrounded. They found us. Elisha prays and says, Lord, I pray thee open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire. And this was my revelation. This is what I hadn't seen before. Horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. Often had always heard this preached. Here's Elisha. Here's the city. Here's the enemy. And outside around the enemy are all these chariots of fire. No. They're around the city. But between Elisha and the enemy, God had him surrounded by chariots of fire, by an angelic host. Enemy couldn't get to Elisha without first going through God himself. The devil had to ask permission of Job. God, if you, if, can I touch him? Can I... You can touch his body, but you can't take his life. God is only going to allow the enemy to get to you what God allows him to get through. And I thought we'd be shouting. 
God, I pray and I'm thank, I pray and I, that, that you would open the eyes of your people to see that you are still on the throne. Like, like we preached about Isaiah. In the year King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up. And his train signified victory after victory after victory after. It filled the temple. And it, what, what do we find? We find some coals of the altar, some fire. Isaiah says, I, woe is me, I'm undone. Let the fire fall on me. What we need is to see God high and lifted up. God, I pray you would open the eyes of your people to let us understand that you are always with us. You'll never leave us. You'll never forsake us. You've got us surrounded by an angelic host. With chariots of fire. Horses. And an angelic host riding on the chariots of fire. Church, the enemy cannot get to you without God's permission. Oh, that doesn't mean that you're not going to have to fight the enemy. But greater is he that's with us than he that's in the world. I, I found, I was looking, trying to do some study, and I don't have time to, I didn't have time to put it all together, so this is just Michael Mullings 101, okay? But I find, when I was reading, trying to read all these examples, 103 examples of chariots being mentioned, I'm finding time and time and time and time again, Joseph, when he was in Egypt, to represent his power and authority in Egypt, had all these horses when he went to bury his father, signifying his power, his strength, his might. But it was about his, Joseph's might, not God's might. But when I, and I find other examples, like Joshua said, we don't need, we're going to burn up the chariots. We don't need the things of the world because greater is he that's with us. We're surrounded by chariots of fire. We don't need chariots of men. And I find people, when, at the high, I, try, I find Saul trying, trying to get as many chariots. I find David. I find Solomon. I find people trying to pay people. To get for chariots and horsemen. When they're, and they're seeking the, the enli- they're trying to enlist the help of the world. And when they said they f- should first go to God. Let's stand. God, open our eyes and see that we are surrounded by an angelic host. Chariots of fire and horsemen. And I'll, I'll, I'll read this in Psalms 34, verse 7. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about. Round about. He's got us. We're surrounded. Them that fear him, the Lord, and delivereth them. God has your back. Some of you have been fighting all kinds of demons. Some of you have been fighting all kinds of issues. Some of you got battles on all kinds of fronts. Some of us have been talking about that. I felt like I was at battle all week this week. But greater is he that's with me. 
Greater is He that's in me. I'm surrounded by... (laughs) The Lord. The angel of the Lord encamps... You you, got to understand that. This is where He hangs out. Around us. camps round about them that fear the Lord and delivereth them you you need to understand every time you go into battle the angel of the Lord surrounding you and nothing can get to you without he his permission and God has equipped us with his armor Put on the whole armor of God. Not the armor of the world. Put on the armor of God. Helmet of salvation. Breastplate of righteousness. I love the shield of faith. Those fiery darts of the enemy. You know what stops them? Faith. Knowing that I'm surrounded by the Lord chariots of fire horsemen the enemy came to get Elisha sneak up on him go by night he'll never see you coming you know what Elisha was doing when the enemy was coming sleeping not with a spirit of fear But he was sleeping with a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. Why? You say, God's in control. If you're having a hard time sleeping, you need to, before you go to sleep at night, you need to remind yourself, hey, God's still in in control. God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. God has, he has, he has dispatched angels to encamp around his people. Chariots of fire. Horsemen to protect. An angelic host around us. So if God be for us, somebody tell me who can be against us. Because ain't nobody a match for God. Ain't nobody as, as powerful as my God. Can't nobody get to me. Praise God. Praise God. Why don't we do that? Why don't you just give God some praise right now? Come on, all over this house, let's magnify. Let's thank God that He's with us. He's an awesome God. He's not given us a spirit of, of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. He has us surrounded.